The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corollis, and you are listening to Pa the Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-weekly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Happy New Year to all of you. I hope that you had a wonderful and safe entrance into 2020. I can't believe that we are officially out of the teens and we are now into the roaring 20s. I had a fine New Year's. I am honestly not the biggest fan of New Year's Eve. Uh, I think it's amateur hour and everybody goes out and thinks that they have to have like the best night of their lives. Typically, uh, I try to find some type of festivity that pretty much involves staying at like our, either our house or at a friend's house. Um, and usually like I'd prefer to just sleep there because um, I don't know, it, New Year's kind of scares me. And this year we went to Philadelphia to hang out with some friends and we decided to go out dancing. Um, and I had a really good night, but at, after we left, it just got a little crazy on the streets. We we're waiting for pizza. You know how that works, but <laughs> waiting in line for pizza and these like, 10 or 12 women just got in this crazy fight and involved like bricks throwing and I just peaced out. I was like, everybody want to wait in line for pizza? I was like, I'm good. Meet me back at the apartment. So um, yeah, it kind of just like validated that New Year's is not my favorite holiday. Um, I have many other favorite holidays, but I hope that yours was wonderful and you didn't have to deal with any brick throwing. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, what is new? What is going on? Um, well, this is actually the second podcast that I've recorded this week. I, I met up with a special guest for a podcast at the end of February. So I, uh, I'm not going to tell you who it is yet. I'm just going to make you wait and listen to it. But I, I had a, I, we did, I did another collab and you, you guys know if you've been listening that I rarely, rarely ever uh, involve other people in these episodes. It's mostly just me sharing my, my inner thoughts on the, the world of dance. Um, but yeah, so I did that. This is my second podcast. So this one's actually probably not going to be as long as my typical one. So for those of you that like those like 45 minutes to an hour podcast, probably not going to be the one for you. But I promise you that there will be some good content in here. Um, if you also haven't noticed, like my voice is still a little bit like out of it from when I was sick. Uh, I actually, it's, it's funny because like a week ago I turned to my husband and I was like, I feel like my voice is finally getting back to normal. And then today I, I started teaching and I was like, oh, there it goes again. So it's a little bit <coughs> scratchy if you can't tell. Um, but it does seem like I didn't do permanent damage and that it will someday get back to normal. But we'll see about that. Otherwise, you get my sexy, raspy radio voice for you to listen to. Anyway, so what is happening right now? Everything right now centers around Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, which is my company that I'm launching in February. Today, I'm recording this on Thursday. I'm a little late this week because I recorded earlier this week and then the holiday. But uh, today officially marks 45 days until our production, which is crazy. Sounds like it's a long ways away, but I am kind of freaking out because it's like not that far and there are so many things that need to get done. 
uh, before February 16th. So uh, just a reminder, the show is Sunday, February 16th, 2020. We have a 2 p.m. show and a 7 p.m. show. And if you are in town, I would love if you came and supported us and saw what I've been working so hard to create. Uh, tickets can be purchased at www.movementhqballet.org. Again, that's www.movementhq, like headquarters, ballet.org. Uh, or you could go to, you could you could make a phone call. We have a toll-free phone number, 877 877- 895-3378. Again, that's 877-895-3378. Tickets are $35 and it will be at the Alvin Ailey City Group Theater, which is a wonderful facility. About 275 seats, so uh, a nice size, but also could easily sell out. So I am crossing my fingers that it sells out. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, so I would suggest getting your tickets as soon as possible. Uh, it's a an hour and sorry, a two hour. What is it? 120, 120 minutes. It's a two hour production, 80 minutes of choreography to 20 minute intermission. So it's a lot. Uh, be sure to share in the excitement. If you, uh, support movement headquarters, but you won't be able to make it to the show. I would love it if you could share our show with your friends. And I post constantly about this on my Facebook and my Instagram. So you can always just take that, those links and share it on your pages. What else? Oh, recently, uh, one of my dancers was featured in Dance Magazine. Her name is Shannon Maynard. She is one of my company artists, and she is also our ballet mistress. And she was featured in an article that I wrote about her about being a transatlantic dancer. So she travels back and forth between Berlin and New York City to dance. And she comes all the way back here just to dance with me and one or two other companies. So I feel greatly honored that she is willing to make that that trek. Uh, but yeah, you can go to dancemagazine.com and just search transatlantic dancer and you can see that article. Other than that, I have my regular Broadway Dance Center open classes. That is Monday Beginner Ballet at 1.30 p.m., Tuesday and Thursday Advanced Beginner Ballet at 4.30 p.m., and Friday Basic Ballet at 7.30 p.m. I've also been subbing a bit lately at the famed city center. There's uh, an organization there called Ballet Arts, and uh, it's a great facility. I mean, you pretty much go into the back door, stage door for a city center, uh, and then you go up to the sixth floor, and uh, these are the same studios that Balance Sheen uh, created New York City Ballet and, and had created many ballets and because that used to be the home of New York City Ballet. So this upcoming Monday, I think that's the 6th of January, I'm teaching intermediate ballet class at 4 p.m. I also taught there today. That's when my voice started going. Their studios are huge and beautiful. So I'm hoping that I get to teach there more often. Lastly, I will be heading down to Hattiesburg, Mississippi in two weeks to return to Dance Teachers United. That is a wonderful local convention to the Mississippi and Louisiana area. Um, and I'll be there for their competition to judge the students. And then uh, after the last day, I will be teaching master classes to uh, every level, ballet with every level, and then contemporary just for the, the juniors and the seniors. Um, Oh, and there's just one more announcement. This isn't really like a big thing, but I will not be podcasting practically the entire month of February. I just want to give you guys a heads up. Uh, if you <clears throat> rely on these podcasts for your entertainment needs, um, there are many wonderful podcasts on the Premier Dance Network if you need some more content to listen to while I am gone. So I'm just going to be focusing and completely uh, devoting myself to Movement Headquarters launch. I want it to be the best thing possible. So I hope you understand and thank you for understanding. 
All right. Before I get started, I, I just want to note uh, that I and say thank you to one of my listeners for reaching out to me on Instagram and pointing out that I have incorrectly been stating that this is a bi-monthly podcast in my intro every single uh, episode when it is actually a bi-weekly podcast. <laughs> Whoops. I, I'm not afraid to admit that I am wrong. And I appreciate that somebody pointed out that after I think like two to two and a half years of me saying that incorrectly. So High five to you. Um, I did not major in English, so things happen. All right, cool. Let's get going on our content for today. So I wanted to do something fun. (laughs) I mean, this is fun to me. Maybe you'll think it's not. But I wanted to do something fun because, like I said, I already did a podcast this week, and that podcast is very extensive. It's, It's well over like an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes. Um, and I didn't really have time with everything else I'm doing to create a content, sorry, to create an episode with content that is like really, really in depth. So I wanted to do kind of a fun new year's podcast where I would talk about my pet peeves. I hear like happy new year (laughs) resolutions. And I'm like, and here are my pet peeves. Um, I just thought it would be fun. I think that a lot of times people like to listen about what it's like to be a teacher at a famous school like Broadway Dance Center. Um, It's open class. And that's like I've said in the past, like anybody can pretty much walk in. Um, They choose their level. It's not like I can place them in a level. Um, And we have students like where our, our Broadway Dance Center is world famous. So we constantly have international students coming in. When I first started teaching there, I remember I would give corrections to people and then I they wouldn't enforce them and I was I would start to get frustrated and then like halfway through class I would realize that they had no idea what I was saying. Um <laughs> so yeah, we get students of all levels, all ages, all sizes, all nationalities, all the in between. So, um a lot of things happen in class. And sometimes, like, I just can't hold it in. I have to say something. Like, something happened today. And I'll, I'll mention that in a little bit. Uh, I just got home from teaching 4.30 class uh, advanced being about at Broadway Dance Center. And I, I, I was a little peeved. My pet peeve got in, got in the way. But um, I love my students. I love my classes. But, you know, sometimes things happen. So this is going to be more of a list episode of me just like telling you everything that annoys me. Uh, (laughs) All right. So uh, these are in no particular order, but I I think the number one pet peeve for me is when students take classes well above their actual placement level. Um, It's kind of the idea. They always suggest, and I always suggest at Broadway Dance Center, that if you are unsure of what level you should be placed in in a specific style of dance, you should probably take the lower level um, because there's really no harm done in taking the lower level of a class because you'll go, okay, well, this is too simple. This is too easy. I need more of a challenge. Um, But if you just assume that you belong in the upper level, you might get into it and then realize that you're in a crisis because it's way over your head. You've you can't do the material, you're lost, you're in the way, you're embarrassed, you're freaking out, and you spent $22 to have that wonderful experience. So yeah, I always tell people to make sure that you have placed yourself at the correct level. Um, Usually I can tell first thing in class, 
<laughs> when we start doing plies, usually the people that have placed themselves in the wrong level are, uh, they face the left side instead of the right side for plies. And yeah, start in a basic level class if you're not sure. Most of the most open class facilities in New York City and usually around the country, their first class are usually called either introduction or basic. Um, beginner ballet is not typically like the beginning. I know it's confusing because the beginning is like what I would tell you, this is the beginning of your training, like the very, very start of your training. But beginner ballet is not like introductory ballet or basic ballet. So just just be aware of that. And also in open classes, a lot of times the levels are, they don't mean as much as you think that they do. I remember when I was a kid, I would always be like, oh, I'm like 14 and I'm taking an intermediate level class. In reality, we get paid per head and we're going to put the level that we think is going to actually get more people in the classroom. So I'll be honest with you. I teach basic ballet on, on Fridays and that is a basic level class. It's like, it's not quite beginning introductory. Like those are usually absolute beginner workshops where they teach you like, this is first position. This is a tondu. Um, but like, if you have a basic understanding of steps and positions, you can take that class. Um, my beginner ballet is a beginner ballet class. And then my advanced beginner ballet class is essentially an intermediate level class. Um, I don't know what advanced beginner is. It doesn't make sense to me, but it's become a culture here. And it doesn't scare as many people, but it's a very, very challenging class that I teach. Uh, and I often have a lot of professionals in that class that take, and they are not, uh, they are not not challenged. That's a double negative. So essentially, they're challenged. Um, but yeah, my best comparison for this, I call it the gym. My, it's this is a new thing I've been talking about, but I call it my gymnastics comparison. I don't know why in dance uh, that students feel more compelled to take levels that are too high for them. But if you were going to take open gymnastic classes and they were like basic and beginner and intermediate, uh, you're not going to take an intermediate tumbling class. Like you could break your neck. And I think that because dancers think that ballet is, I don't know, maybe because it's upright, um, it's just as dangerous to take a, a class level that's way too high for you. Um, granted, you're not going to be flipping over. But if you, like I said, if you were going to take a gymnastics open class, you would make sure that you were taking the correct level. So if you are ever concerned about what class you should take, talk to the people at the organization. Call them up, ask them beforehand. When you go to the front desk, if you're not sure, ask them before you sign up for the class. Don't just assume that you belong in a class. And also, don't go, oh, this is the only class that fit in my schedule. So even though I'm a basic level dancer i've took the intermediate ballet um that happens a lot too so yeah okay next pet peeve <laughs> dancers wearing their hair down for ballet i don't care if you're a man or if you're a woman um if you have long hair it shouldn't be down uh it, it could be if, if you're feeling like being a little bit more uh, relaxing class you could do like a half ponytail but it's like the idea if you if you turn and your your hair can touch your face as you turn um it's too long um yeah, I, I see it all the time. And I don't know, when you think of ballet, like, what do you think of? You think of buns, like people with their hair in buns. And I don't need that. You can do like a 
an updo. What do they call that? A French twist. All of my ballets, I make I make the women wear French twists. So if you come to my class with a French twist, I'll be really happy. Um, but yeah, don't wear your hair down. It also kind of tells me that you don't really know how ballet works. So that's another one of those things. Somebody walks in to take a ballet class and their hair is all over the place. I'm like, wow, you probably don't understand ballet very well. So go back to a lower level. Um, yeah. All right. Oh, this one. This one drives me crazy. Shouting out questions without raising a hand to be called on. Um, I think because students aren't sitting in desks in in a ballet classroom um, or any dance classroom, that for some reason, a majority of them think that they can just shout it out. Or maybe because I walk around the room and you feel close to me, um, you feel the, the need to do that. But would you ever do that to a math teacher, an English teacher, science or history teacher in school or any subject in academia for that matter? Um, I don't know why academic classrooms, uh, students have the respect to raise their hands if they have a question, um, or if they're answering a question, um, all of a sudden, but, but all of a sudden you get into a dance studio and you just shout things out. I, I get really, really irked when that happens. And I'll usually be like, don't shout at me. Like I, I hate it when I'm, I feel like people are shouting at me. And also I, I'll usually say, this is Broadway Dance Center. Sometimes we have like (laughs) <laughs> that sounded really like this was Broadway Dance Center, uh, but not like that. But it's the idea like this is Broadway Dance Center. It's like any New York New York based uh, open class studio or any big city. You can have like I've seen I, I took class today with Nancy Bielski at Steps and I swear there were like 80 students in her class. Um, if everybody just shouted out a question when they had it, then the class wouldn't function. So just be respectful. Make sure that you're not shouting out questions. Uh, if you really have a question, raise your hand. And do understand that sometimes we're not going to take your question. I always try to, but say that three people have questions. I'm not going to get to everybody. I have to make sure we get through class. All right. Another pet peeve. Dancers wearing point shoes when they can't even stand in releve without sickling their feet. Um, I am all for that like exciting prospect of getting to wear point shoes um, and working towards that goal. But I, I don't care if you've been taking class for 10 years, um, for one year, five years, 10 years. If you're 10 years old, 20 years old, or 50 years old, if you can't stand on releve without sickling your feet, or if you can't do like multiple, multiple releves without feeling like you're dying, you don't belong in point shoes. Uh, just because you, just because you are, taking class regularly um and sorry just because you're taking class here and there doesn't mean you should be wearing point shoes if you want to work in point shoes honestly you should be taking class multiple days a week so you can't do like one open class ballet straight into a point class once a week it's not enough point shoes are a privilege you have to work very hard to wear them um and just because you can go to a store and buy them without having a license um, doesn't mean, or without like a teacher's approval or anything like that, uh, doesn't mean that you should be dancing on point. So, uh, I'm sorry to break that news to anybody that is dancing on point or that's thinking about dancing on point, but you, it's, it's about safety and not being snobby or, uh, looking down on anybody. If you're not taking, I'd say at least three ballet classes a week, there's no way in hell you should be putting on a pair of point shoes. Okay. Um, 
commit to it, do the work the way it's supposed to be done. Don't go the short route. Don't go the easy route because you're going to end up with broken ankles. You're going to end up with joint problems with your toes. You're going to end up with Achilles tendonitis, sprained ankles, and all those wonderful things to get you going into the new year and not continue dancing. (laughs) Really, it's about dancer's health. Um, All right, what else? Oh, this one. This is like the thing that will send me into a complete and total rage. Sometimes I show it and sometimes I don't, but my heart will start pounding when dancers do this. If a dancer gets upset when I correct them, I'm essentially like, why are you even here? Doesn't happen very commonly, but I've had dancers be like, I'd be like, can you just step forward and, and try this step? And they go, no. And I'm like, like I just I, I just had to censor myself because I almost threw the F word out there in maybe three three times in one sentence. Like it really, really makes me mad. Like you you paid money to take from me. If you don't want to be educated, like hire a a teacher to give you private lessons and tell them that the reason I'm doing these private lessons is because I just want to dance and I don't want any feedback. I don't understand it. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And it's extremely, extremely rude because I, I could be offering advice and education to so many other people. And I chose you to receive that, that, uh, feedback and you are not receptive to it. Like, I don't even care. Like I have professionals that take my classes that are high, high level professionals. And sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be correcting them and just letting them do their thing because they know what they're doing. But I feel it's my job to be helping them out. So it's, I will correct them. So if somebody, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're, I don't know, David Hallberg with American Ballet Theater, or if you're like David Goldberg from, I don't know, uh, the main line Pennsylvania I just watched the Goldbergs last night for the first time um and so that's where that came from but (laughs) I don't even think there's a David Goldberg on there but anyway I don't care who you are if you get upset that I'm correcting you I will probably get even more upset than you are so yeah that's how that works if you don't want to be corrected you shouldn't be taking open classes or classes really at all unless you know the teacher doesn't give corrections or unless you want to pay somebody privately all right. Oh, this was the one that I was talking about earlier. So this happened in class day. Not following very clearly stated directions. Um, <laughs> I know that sometimes when we're dancing, we get uh, in our head. Sometimes you stop hearing voices outside of your head, I- i.e. your teacher, um, giving you feedback. But um, if a teacher says something very clearly at the beginning of a combination before you even start doing it, um, you should do it. Like I often will very clearly state, don't put your arm up, keep it in on ba in that preparatory position for this combination. It's usually because there's going to be a lot happening. It's going to be fast. Or maybe I want you to focus on your legs and not your arms. Um, what's another one? I often ask for the height of the leg to be 45 degrees or 90 degrees. Um, and dancers don't listen to that. Uh, the biggest thing for me is things when it comes to safety. Uh, like today in class, I reminded dancers not to run directly back during the transition between the first and second group and center uh, because it's really dangerous. You turn around and you don't realize that the person that was staying there and is ready to go in the second group runs directly into you and people can get really hurt. I've seen it happen. Um, 
I I don't think I've done it in a class, but I've I've run into people head on in darkness on stage and it hurts like a bitch. Sorry. Do I have to put a I feel like with all these things coming out of me today, I feel like I have to do like a mature uh little tag on this, but I mean, y'all can handle it. I think you can say up to three curse words on primetime television. Um so I got one left people and then we'll have to put that tag. All right. What else? Oh, dancers showing up to ballet class without ballet slippers. Um, ballet class, ballet slippers. Uh, I see bare feet. That makes no sense because you need there to be some, uh, to remove some friction from the floor. Uh, I know I wear socks when I teach, and but when I take class, I wear socks at bar, and then I transition to ballet slippers in center. Um Again, a lot of these times it's open class, so I know that there's a, a bit more freedom, but it's ballet class, and ballet slippers are what you wear in ballet, so why aren't you wearing ballet slippers? It's like, I don't know, using a, what's a comparison that I could use? It's like trying to ice skate with a snowboard. Like, you show up to the rink, and you have a snowboard. Granted, you can probably, like figure out a way to glide on the ice but it's not right or i don't know bringing roller skates and trying to like roller skate in an ice rink or bringing ice skates to a roller rink it's it just doesn't make sense those are obviously more dramatic things but again like the gymnastics reference before with taking levels this is the same thing it's you you should be you should be appropriate so Make sure that you're wearing ballet slippers for ballet class. If you want to wear socks during bar, that's fine. Uh, socks usually contemporary, not not ballet class. Okay, and for that for this matter, just make sure that you're wearing appropriate dancewear. Um, I've seen dancers come in in tube tops and thongs, and uh, men not wearing dance belts and all that stuff. Make sure you wear appropriate dancewear. Guys, those dance belts are so important um, because you can squeeze your testicles and you could end up in a lot of pain because every time you close fit position is an opportunity for you to do that. Um, And the funny thing too is that I think a lot of guys think that we don't notice as teachers, but yo, I'm looking at your entire body and I can tell if you're wearing a dance belt or not, especially when you start jumping. Um, it's not like I'm like staring, uh, but it's that idea that I notice it and it's, it's a little bit awkward. Like I'm used to it at this point. I, it's like a doctor talking to people about sex and, uh, other odd functions of their bodies. Like I'm used to it. I'm not embarrassed by it, but, uh, for me it's awkward just because I don't know how the person's going to react, but I often have to pull guys aside and be like, yo, do you know what a dance belt is? And usually they say yes. And I'm like, are you wearing one? And they go, no. And I just don't understand why. Um, it is a part of your uniform to take a ballet class. It's an important one for safety. It's like not wearing a helmet when you ride, ride a bike. All right, except you don't have to fall to hurt yourself. <laughs> okay, I've talked about that about that junk for too long. Moving on. Um, oh, this one. Walking into class more than 15 minutes late and just assuming because you paid that I'm going to let you join us. Um, I 
typically won't let dancers continue to take class after 15 minutes. I understand, especially in cities like New York and Los Angeles, um, that you either rely on public transportation or traffic is like the worst thing on earth in Los Angeles. So I understand that sometimes you're going to be a little bit late. But the thing is like, by 15 minutes into class, we're usually getting to about jetés, so like plies, like you're slowly warming up, tendus, like you're just waking your feet up. Um, by the time we get to jetés, we're starting to do some things where you could get hurt, especially by rond de jambes. There's no way I'm going to let you come into class. Um, and it's not because I don't want you there. I do want you there, but I and, it, and it's not like I'm trying to... Uh, it's not like I'm trying to punish you for being late. It's it's a safety thing. So um, I always suggest if you're not sure what to do, if you're if you're running late to class, even if you're five minutes late to class, come to the door, make it be known that you're there by nodding to the teacher and making eye contact with them. And then usually the teacher will wave you in. Um, or if it's too late, they might say, I'm really sorry, please go get your money back and transfer to an or transfer to another class at a later time. All right, I got a few more of these. This actually ended up being a longer podcast than I was expecting. So I hope that you like it. I think this is fun. I hope that you don't think it's negative because I'm not like angry about this. It's just like fun. And I find that a lot of my podcast episodes, the more popular ones are usually where I just like give off like straight information like this. Did you hear me snapping? I just started snapping. I don't know why. All right, next. Dancers. Oh, this happened today too. This happens pretty much every day. So, um, dancers who have never been in my class before who stand front and center, um, that I used to be that dancer. So I understand when I was a competition kid, I was always told you get to the front, you be seen, you need to make sure you have enough space and you need to make sure you connect. If you don't do that, you're not going to have a career. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get it, but you should always come into class with humility. If you aren't a professional, you should, and, and you're coming into a class for the first time, uh, you should probably stand around the perimeter of the room the first time that you take class to learn the culture of the classroom, especially in a ballet class. Okay, starting off with bar, I always say don't don't go to a bar spot if at all possible where you're going to be facing a wall. Uh, because a lot of times when it's your first time, you're kind of like get, getting into the flow of things and you might not understand the structure of the class. So I would say put yourself between people um, or at least facing the mirror so that you can watch other people and mimic what they're doing. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, don't stand front and center. I, I had a younger dancer come to class today. She was clearly placed in the wrong level or she had placed herself in the wrong level or mom or dad placed her in the wrong level. Um, and then I had a, a couple of professionals that have danced in ballet companies and on on Broadway and in international, sorry, national tours uh, for musical theater. And she stood directly front center in the first group. And the thing is, she didn't even know what the combination was. And I'm not saying this to shame her. She's just a kid. Uh, but it's the idea. There are so many other things in this world where you wouldn't if, if you had never done that before, you wouldn't just like come to the center of attention. You would sort of take a step back, be humble about what you're doing and see like the culture of wherever you are. And that goes for workplace. It's like workplaces, dance studios, um, anything that involves you having to fit in. A great way to not fit in is to uh, impose into a culture that you have no idea what that culture actually is. It's like just society in general. If you don't follow the rules, you're going, you could potentially be ostracized. Um, 
obviously you also want to cultivate the ability to step out, but it's kind of that idea, learn the rules, break the rules. Don't break the, don't, don't just walk and assume that there are no rules. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you aren't a professional stand around the perimeter of the room or stand in the back lines, um, and just try to figure out the culture of the classroom. All right, outside of a basic level classroom, being unaware of your space is another big pet peeve of mine. Um, It's the idea that you should be learning those things in your introductory level classes. Uh, Not knowing how to stagger yourself in center, not knowing how to stand at bar with, uh, if somebody, if there's two sides to a bar that the hands alternate, like if you're on the right side of the bar, your hands in the front, the person on the other side, their hands behind yours, the person behind you on the right side of the bar is behind the hand is behind that person's and then it's like that then you come to center and you should all all dancers should be standing in lines and then in the, the next line should be dancers standing in the windows between those dancers and then staggering so you're not directly side and not hitting people that's really important um and then uh, no, also knowing how to travel across the floor in groups. And I've explained this in previous previous podcasts, but just to reiterate, if it's one person, you stand in the corner, you go. If it's two people, you stand, uh, if you're standing quasi with your legs crossed, um, facing one dancer being in front, the other one being directly behind them, uh, looking at their shoulders, make sure your shoulders are in the same line. If it's And if you're facing B+, plus, uh, sh- being in line with each other's shoulder to shoulder, uh, if there are three, putting one person in the window behind those two people, and there are four, making a parallelogram. Um, if you want, you can go back to my previous podcast and, and find the episode where I explain that. I think it's like rules of open class. Um, so yeah, that's a pet peeve of mine. What else? Oh, this one I'm more understanding of, but I, after a while, it bothers me. Putting legs down in balances. So in my tuition-based classes, that's not allowed unless you're going to get hurt. My, my kids, they know not to do it. Um, they will fight forever to do it and it rarely happens because our role is you put a leg down we start at the beginning on the right side it's a little harder in open class because a lot of people haven't taken from me um and then also it's like if i irk you enough with all of my my asks that you uh might not come to my class because you only pay per class um but yeah if you're at bar and you're going to fall over just grab the bar that's what it's there for uh do do whatever it takes um, if you're in center, just keep your leg up. It's okay to hop around and wobble, um, but you should you should really keep your leg up if you're in a balance. And that could be retire, it could be an attitude, arabesque, a devilpe, a la colony, and carte, devant, all those things. A pirouette with the leg in retire or coupe. Um, yeah, just keep it up because I, I understand that it's a natural tendency. It's Human nature, if you are balancing on one leg and you feel like you're falling off balance, your brain, like you don't have to even think about it. Your brain just goes, simple, put a leg down so you don't fall and hurt yourself because dancers don't have shells. Um, We're not turtles. (laughs) We're not, I don't know, arthropods. Is that what it is? Those ants, Um, mollusks, anything like that. So we don't have shells to protect our bones if we fall. Um, So that's like a natural tendency that our, our, our brain has to just ensure. So we have to practice not to put our legs down um, because in reality, you can't learn how to fix something that you're not doing. It's better to find a way to fix it in the position unless you're going to hurt yourself. Okay. So that is that. Um, 
Oh, this one, this one bothers me. Uh, it doesn't happen too frequently, but sometimes dancers expect me to stop a higher level class to explain a basic ballet step. Um, I every once in a while I will, but uh, the general thing I'll usually do is tell dancers to talk to me after class, and then I'm happy to to assist. But a lot of times most steps are taught deliberately and clearly in a lower level class. Um, and then the dancers, they push themselves too quickly out of those classes and they don't fully grasp the technique behind it. And then they come into the higher level class. They either don't remember it or they, they push themselves too quickly through the levels. They never got that information. And then they want that information in a higher level class. Um, this happens a lot in, in my advanced beginner ballet classes and up, um, and it usually starts happening around Petit Allegro. A lot of dancers don't understand brise, which is quite shocking to me. Um, it's essentially a jeté in plié that is followed by a royale that travels forward. Um, but a lot of dancers just are taught, like, throw the leg and land on it with a beat. Um, you should be taught, like, plié, jeté front, and jump royale and land. Um, and if you don't practice the plié jeté, if you don't practice the royale upright and then diagonal, there's no way you're going to do it. And if you uh, come into like an intermediate level class and you don't understand the brise, it's your job to step back and go to the lower level class. Now, I'm not saying that you can't take the higher level class. You can do that too. But you should also be going back to make sure that you're filling in the gaps in your training. Because again, like the point shoe thing, these things are, are complicated and you could get hurt, okay? Yes, you're probably not going to break your spine doing a flip like I did. I said in my gymnastics analogy, but you could still hurt yourself and it can take you out of dancing for quite a while, if not permanently. Ooh, this one. This one drives me nuts as a dancer and it drives me nuts as a teacher. If you come into class late, even if it's a minute late and we're starting plies, you calmly come in. Make sure you're not going to run into people as you're trying to get to your bar spot. And then if you see an open bar spot in front of somebody, don't take it, okay? Now you can go up to that you can go up and say, "Can I stand here?" and that person has the right to say yes or no. And if they say no, you can't be upset. Um, you should always stand behind a dancer because a lot of times dancers get to class early so they can see themselves in bar because that's how we learn um, by watching ourselves in the mirror. Um, so don't run in late and then stand in front of somebody. All right, that's a great way to lose friends. All right. Oh, we're on to our last one. This this episode ended up way longer than I expected. So y'all are lucky. I did two like extensive episodes of Potted Chat this week. <sighs> My voice is going to need a break, but not for a couple more days. All right. The last one. One of my pet peeves, expecting me to make you successful. No, you are wrong. That is your job. I feel that a lot of a lot of students come into class and they expect me to make them better. Uh, my job is to hold you accountable and to provide tools for you to learn. Um, and honestly, my biggest job is to make you fail. So I feel that a lot of times that dancers look to me for like positive affirmation and to make them uh, do things correctly. No, my, my job is to give you the information so that you can do it correctly. I, I am me. I can control me. I can make myself better. Um, I can help you make yourself better, but I cannot, I cannot make you better. So that essentially says like, it's your, it's all on you to take the information that I offer and then to run with it. And I mean, I like that idea too, because then your successes are, are definitely wholly yours. I, I mean, obviously 
I have something to do with that uh, if you do well. Um, but the second that you succeed, it's my job to make you fail again. Because like if you do a single pirouette well, then okay, I'm going to go great. I'm so happy that you've accomplished that. Let's do a double pirouette. And then from there, I'm going to say, okay, well, let's try an on day don double pirouette. And then if you get that, I'm going to say, let's try an attitude on day don pirouette. And if you do that, I'm going to say, let's do an arabesque. <laughs> so it's like I have an ex- essentially an exponential uh, ability to make you fail. Um, so that it's like once you once you are successful at something, I will find new ways to make you fail so that we can get to the next level. Because if you're not coming into class prepared to fail, then you don't belong there. Um, but yeah, don't expect me to make you successful. Put in your own work and use the tools. And if you use my tools, uh, you will hopefully become successful. But it is your job to show up to class. It is your job to work hard. It is your job to apply corrections. It is your job to remember corrections. It is your job to take enough classes to make sure that you are getting better, stronger, staying safer, and all of those things in between. All right. I love my students. I love teaching. Uh, but sometimes crazy things happen in class, sometimes not so crazy things happen. And this is my list of things that irk me <laughs> when I am teaching open classes. So um, I'm curious as teachers or students who are listening to this episode, if you have any particular things that happen in classes, it doesn't have to be open class, it could be tuition-based classes or professional classes that irk you. Um, you know, it's 2020. I could use I could use some good laughs. I'm expecting a good year and positive energy is how we make that happen. So, um, thanks for listening in. I I uh, really hope that this was some fun content for you and a great way to start off your new year. I will be again a reminder. I will be posting podcasts uh, two weeks from now and then two weeks from that I believe I will and then I will not have another podcast until I think it's the last week of February that my special guest collaboration will be coming out um, so there will be a, a pause or as my husband would say a pause uh, before uh, sorry during the month of February so that I can focus all of my attention to launching movement headquarters ballet company uh, so yeah that's very exciting I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Carolis, or on Twitter at Bariscos. You can also follow my company, Movement Headquarters Ballet Company, by going on Facebook and finding the Movement Headquarters Ballet Company Facebook page, or going on Instagram, and you can find us at movement underscore headquarters. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, which is Life of a Freelance Dancer.blogspot.com. And I posted on there for five years about working as a nationally touring freelance artist and independent contractor. I also have Dancing Offstage. You can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. 
and I wrote on there about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have two YouTube channels. You can find my choreography on B Corollis. Uh, just go to youtube.com, go into the search panel, type in B Corollis, and you can find my choreography there. You can also file, follow Movement Headquarters on YouTube for updates and features about my company. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk, dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.